Today we're in week two of our brand new series, Connect the Dots. How many of you guys are enjoying this series so far? Come on, come on. We've done one week of it, and uh, we talked about empathy. Did empathy help you last week? You know, empathy is getting in touch with the feelings of people's infirmity and not just, just solving problems, but actually listening to people. And then compassion is moving with action on the feelings that you feel. And I love that message. It's changing my life, and it's really messing with me. So, um, I don't know, empathy. I hope it was edifying to you last week. Today, we're going to look at unity. Everybody say unity. And I believe it's going to speak to you as well. So, connect the dots. This is, this is the, the series that we're in. It says this. Our creative team came up with it. Even in the lonely nights, together. Everybody say together. That's a unity word. Together, we could be beautiful constellations. And it's cute and it's cliche, but it's amazing, right? Uh, the idea is that those isolated, you're just a single star. If you're just isolated by yourself, you're a dot that's not connected, you are a single star. But connected, we become a constellation. Like the big Orion or uh, like Little Dipper or Big Dipper or the Great Bear. You guys know what constellations are? So connected as stars, we become something bigger than ourselves. We become something more impactful than ourselves. And I like to picture stars and docks connecting to each other. And I'm so thankful for our creative team. Can we give it up for all the creative people that make all of this happen all the stinking time? Because the truth is, this statement is true. How many of you uh, know that there are oftentimes there seems to be a gap between us as humans? I mean, we connect to things really well. We connect to places pretty good. But human to human, we, we often find time finds gaps, sometimes huge spaces between the dots of humanity. And uh, no matter where you go or what kind of relationship it is, one of the things that's missing universally is our understanding of how to relate to each other, to empathize with each other, and to unify with each other. Because let's face it, we have differences, lots of differences between us, lots of space between us. The space between men and women is, is huge. It's a, a gender difference, right? We have background differences. We have socioeconomic status differences. We have personality type differences. We have different norms from when we grew up compared to the person that we got married to and what they grew up in, right? We have different cultures among us, different languages, dialects, even the accents of the dialect can be different. There are so many differences. The list goes on and on. And uh, the truth is, oftentimes, it's as we forget how to be human together. We can be human by ourselves. Everybody wants space to be human, but human together is different. Are you catching me? Much less how to connect to each other. We're human together, connected to each other. Have you ever noticed that you're just fine when you're by yourself? Like you're really good at life. You finally got it together when you're alone by yourself. And then you figured it out when you're alone by yourself, but another human gets involved in your life and you go back to the person you were before you were by yourself. It seems like one of the most difficult things in life is to simply be human and we have to understand what is it about us that can't seem to connect and relate to one another? What is it about us that moves humans from war to war, from you know, conflict to conflict, from together to divided, from together to isolated? What is it about us that doesn't seem to have this natural intrinsic ability to have healthy, meaningful, lifelong relationships. Some of you, you know, your life is defined by disconnection. Your life is defined by conflict and disconnection. You're here today in this church because you're not where you were in another church. You're here today in this church because you're not where you were 10 years ago with that relationship to that person. 
because you had to leave where you were to start over again. How many of you guys have ever started over relationally before? Started over with a community before? Started over with a new plan before? I mean, a new, uh, I don't know, uh, workout plan before? I mean, starting over with new people to work out with. And if you don't change some patterns in your life, one day this is where you would have been too had you not gone somewhere else. Are you catching what I'm saying? There are patterns in our humanity. We're not where we used to be. We are where we are today because of disconnects. And you're going to be a relational transient all your life if you don't look at the repeating patterns that you keep over and over again. And I know it's not your problem. I know it's everybody else's fault that you keep moving on and getting into new relationships. But let's just think about what we could own in our own self when it comes to disunity and disconnection. Okay? We need to take some time to figure out how to be us with other people and I know when we come together in times like this it's on a Sunday morning we expect to learn more about God but if you learn more about God and never understand more about yourself I think you've missed a lot of the point of what relating to God's about because the more I find him the more I know him the more I know me the more I connect to the one who created me the more I understand the creation that is me so today I want us to go back to the beginning of humanity, because can, can we just agree on one thing? We are all humanoids. We are all of the same human species. We are all created by God. Maybe you don't believe that, but some way, shape, or form, we're all of the same human DNA. Because we dive into this conversation of connecting the dots, I think I want us to be on the same page because often there's a disconnect. I think it's important for us to understand what it is to be one of the human dots biblically. One of the human dots, relationally. One of the human dots to God, one of the human dots to self, and one of the human dots to another. Any way that we could connect. Because I think some of it's rooted in a huge misunderstanding of what it means to be human. What it means to be us. Even when it comes to our own dynamic relationship with God, which we encourage. We want you to talk to God. That's called prayer. We want you to read his word. That's called devotion. We want you to worship, which is done through your lifestyle and singing songs, but more so just your, your style of sacrifice and offering yourself to God continually. We encourage dynamic relationship with God, personal dynamic relationship with God. But I think oftentimes we miss how we were created so we don't really get the full connection of who God is and who we are and who others are. So let me ask you a question. Before the fall of humanity, biblical question, before, you know, the epic moment where Adam and Eve blew it for the rest of us, they ate of the fruit, you know, you know, where they lost paradise, where they literally removed themselves from the Garden of Eden, which was this paradise place, before the fall, before everything was messed up, before the division of the dots of humanity, before the division and separation of humanity and God. Here's the question. You ready for it? Did Adam have any needs? Did Adam have any needs in perfect paradise with him and God? See, that question in so many ways misinforms us. Because we all have intrinsic longings to return to paradise. And I think about that, that idea. Jesus told the thief on the cross, which I thought was so interesting. He's got one thief rejecting him and cursing him out. And the other thief is like, Jesus, today, remember me when you go into your kingdom. Remember me when you enter into your glory. And Jesus turns to him and he says, you will be with me today in para, para, paradise. They call it para, para. You know, I love Coldplay. Paradise. They call it paradise. And paradise is that place that we all long for. And of all the references that Jesus could have given a thief on the cross next to him, he says, don't worry, you're going to go back to where we were when we started. 
paradise. God and man perfectly connected in paradise. You know what I'm saying? He's like, through relationship with me, through Jesus and my blood and my sacrifice, you are going to enter into a, an amazing relationship with God my Father. There's one way to God the Father. There's one way, and it's through me. And I can encourage you. I can assure you, today, you will be with me in para, para, paradise, right? Paradise is the place that he was longing for. You can see the evidence of our longing for paradise in mid-February in upstate New York when we want to take vacations. Anybody excited about vacations? Yeah, I love vacations. If you don't have a vacation plan, just plan one. It's good for you. Even if you never go, just pretend like you're going somewhere, okay? And I love that the, the mandates are, are lifting and we can travel and go to places and enjoy nature and paradise. You know, we always vacate. The vacation, by the way, that's where the word vacation comes from, to vacate the premises, to vacate the area. You're vacating the life you have for a mo to, for a moment, uh, have a life that you wish you had, Right? And we normally vacate to some place that resembles, if you think about it, paradise to us. You know, some people go to an ocean. Other people go to the mountains. Some people go to lakes. Some people go, like, to a cabin in the backwoods of a pond. I don't know why they do that, but literally, we go to some places in nature that we associate with paradise. We vacate this life with an aspiration to have a life that we can only imagine for two weeks. We call it paradise. So Adam was in the Garden of Eden. A literal paradise of perfection and complete communion with God. There's no sickness. There are no thorns on any trees. There is no threat to your humanity. There's no survival instinct yet. There is no toil. There's no hard work. There's just tending. Tend the garden. You don't toil in the garden. The toil came after the curse. But tending was his job. He just like kind of tended stuff. You know, and then he named stuff. He called things as if they were, even though they weren't. Like God, the creator, he started naming things, naming the animals. And then his third really big thing was tending, naming, and walking with God. The Bible says he walked with God in the cool of the day every day. Just walked and talked and communed with God. And the question is, in paradise, did humanity have any needs? And in many ways, the answer to that question is at the very core of our misunderstanding of who God is and our misunderstanding of who we are and maybe even the biggest misunderstanding of what it means to be spiritual or to go deep in relationship to God. How many of you guys ever heard a Christian say, I just want to go deep? We used to sing this song, take me deeper than I've been before. You know what I'm saying? Just longing to go deeper in God. I want to go so deep in God. See, I think most of us before the fall, we think Adam has no needs because he's just in deep communion with God. He has God. It's him and God. Because what we've been taught in churches like this is the reason we have needs is because we don't have God. And if we would just give our lives fully to God, we wouldn't have any needs anymore. But the problem is, if you've given your life fully to God, you know that's a lie. That is not true. You give your life to God, you claim he's all you need, but he's never going to be all you need. You claim, you give your life to God, you claim, you're all I want, but you know he's not all that you want. We even sing songs like, this was a song I grew up singing, you're all I want, mm. you're all I've ever needed, you're all, we'll go Andy on a, you're all I want, you know what I'm saying? Help me know you are near. And you're singing this while you're needing something else. And you're singing this song while you're wanting something else. And I sang that song. It's a good song. There's nothing wrong with that song. I'm not trying to throw shade on the song. I'm just telling you, I knew that when I sang that song, I knew I was lying. 
I mean, I knew I was lying. We call it romantic truth, right? It's truth that I wish was true. Truth we mean, but we don't really have the capacity to mean. You know, like, I love you with all my heart, baby. Happy Valentine's Day. I love you with every ounce of my being. Really? Makes for good cards. Makes for good writing. You don't love anything else with any other part of your heart? I mean, I know it doesn't sound sexy or powerful when you look at her and say, I love you with all my heart and sports and the Giants and pizza and other great things. But I really do love you. That just doesn't sound that good, does it? See, what we have is this romantic truth. Happy Valentine's Day. And so we say, God, you're all I want. God, you're all I've ever needed. But you really, really want other things. And you really, really need other things. So we've been taught that if we have a dynamic, deep, profound relationship with God, if we're really spiritual, we will have no other needs and no other wants. And even the monks in their orange suits teach you that. You know, even the monks in the Catholic Church teach you that. Even the nuns and, and, the, and the priests and all, all of religion says, if you have God, really, you have no other needs or wants. But that wasn't even true in paradise. That's a religious rhetoric. It's not relational truth. It wasn't even true in paradise before everything got jacked up by Adam. I want you to know that in the very beginning, in the Garden of Eden, Adam had other needs besides God. It sounds heretical, I know. It goes against all of your religious background and beliefs. But to tell you that I need you to understand how this human connection truly works. You have to understand more than you understand currently about God and you and others. You need more of God. No, no, no. That's not all you need. You need more than you know you need. And God might not be the fill in the blank. Jesus might not be the correct answer. What do you need more of? I need more of Jesus. <laughs> no, you don't. Maybe you don't. When Adam was in the garden, guess what? He lived in the same context in which we live. And he needed oxygen to breathe. He needed water to drink or he'd die of thirst. He needed food to eat or he'd die of hunger. And you say, well, those are just, you know, basic physical needs. Yep, but if God is all you need, and you're going to hold on to that idea and your spiritual delusion just to go deeper with him. I just want you to exhale right now. Give up of that oxygen that you don't need for someone else who acknowledges they need it. And I don't want you to inhale again. Right now, just let it go and don't inhale until you're willing to acknowledge, okay, I need oxygen and God. Okay, I, I need two things. Just two things. And then let's see how long you go without water. After about three days, you're like, oh, I need oxygen, water, and God. And then we'll go a little bit longer. How, can you, how long can you go without food after 40 days? That'll be four things. Then we'll say, how long can you go without sleeping? After two days of crazy insomnia, you'll be like, I need five things. And then you see how long you can go without caffeine. And most of you are like, I need six things. You know what I'm saying? See, God placed humanity in a garden that was created for your needs. You know the earth is the Lord's, the fullness thereof. But he actually created the earth for the sixth thing that was created, which is man. It's not like you exist for the earth to exist. Actually, the earth exists for you. The earth is here to meet your needs. Everybody say, I need trees. Because I need to breathe. It's, it's not like we breathe so the trees can have a purpose. No, no, no. The trees were here first. We breathe second. Because this was created for us. That's why if you start worshiping creation, it gets a little dicey. Because it's like that was for humanity. Humanity is not for that. It's just a basic principle thing. 
But God placed humanity in a garden with needs. And not only with a need for God, but he actually made us dependent on the creation he created for his creation for existence. And beyond that, we find that humanity's need was deeper than just physical, survival, instinctive needs. Because there was no, you know, protecting yourself. There were no threats to humanity. He was completely protected, completely hedged in. It was just him and God. Nothing would poke you and hurt you. Nothing would bite you and hurt you. Nothing was against you. I mean, it was different. There were no threats. So there was more than just physical survival needs. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, it says, somebody said something to somebody. And it says, the Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. Now, that's not Adam saying that. That's God saying that to Adam. Now, to hear that statement, it's not good for man to be alone in the backdrop of what God has just said all of Genesis chapter 1. Because God creates for six days. Every time he creates, he says, that's good. And then the second day, that's good. Third day, that's good. Everything he creates, he says, it was good, it was good, it was good. And then he gets to the sixth day where he created humanity. And he said, mm, 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 that is really good. I mean, imagine God, the premier artisan of the universe, creating an ever-expanding reality. He creates galaxies and solar systems and black holes and dark matter. And then he says, yeah, that's just good. I mean, if that was me, I'd be like, I am awesome. Did you just see the expanse that I made? Look at what I created, all of this. But God's like, yeah, that's just good because God is more concerned about the essence of creation, which he said is very good. And on the sixth day, he says, it's not just good. It's not just like everything else. It's actually the crown of my creation. It is humanity. What all this other stuff exists for, and it's very good. And now God is saying, what was very good is not good. So we have good, 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 very good, and the same thing that was very good is, is not good. How can something be not good in the middle of a context where everything is good or very good? And this isn't Adam saying to God, you know, God, this isn't working for me. I need more than what you're giving me. I want something else. In fact, that's the way most of us talk to God. We pray like that, right? Most of us pray letting God know what we need just in case he missed it. You know what I'm saying? God, I don't know if you know the desires of my heart. I just want to let you know you're not paying attention to my wants. This is what I'd like. I need help with this. God, this isn't going so well. Help my heart here in this relationship. You're, you're going to have to help me, God, or I'm going to kill him. You know what I'm saying? I really want things to go this way, God. Most of our prayer lives are our needs and our wants being expressed to a God who's not really in touch. But he is, but he's not. But he is, but he's not. God, I didn't know if you noticed it, but things just really aren't clicking down here for me and my marriage. You know what I'm saying? And that's what most of our lives are. Us trying to inform God of our needs and our wants. Humanity saying, God, I need something here. But this is not Adam letting God know that he's missing something. This is God letting Adam know, you're missing something, man. And he doesn't even know he's missing it. So prayer works two ways. You talk to God, God talks to you. God is trying to convey to Adam, this is not good. You're missing something. Here it is. Something was missing in Adam's life that Adam was completely unaware of. Could it be that humanity goes through the motions of life, and even today, you could be sitting in this seat, missing things that you don't even know you're missing? Could it be that you're comparing yourself to your background or your history or your, your parents' reality and your old home's lifestyle or your last marriage? You're like, man, you have no idea how much better this is and you're still missing so many things. 
But compared to my last job, but you're still missing so many things. And you don't even know that you're missing them. Relationally, emotionally, spiritually, financially. You don't even know that you're missing things. And the great tragedy is that we keep on. Something just happened. We keep on asking God. We keep on asking God for things that we think we need. When our deepest needs are the things that God is trying to get our attention on. So God's trying to connect the dots for us. And we're like, God, I don't need anything. That's what Adam was saying. And Adam doesn't even know that he is an isolated, disconnected dot of humanity. So chapter 2, verse 18 of Genesis, the Lord said, it is not good for man to be alone. It's not good for human beings to be alone. Are you hearing what he said? You are not created to be alone. I created you. I know you're not good with just me and you. Not even alone with God. Think about this. Adam was alone, but he was with God. Walking and talking with God in a deep, daily, spiritual reality on the nightly. I mean, God says, and it's still not good for you to be alone. Adam's like, but God, I'm not alone. I'm with you. It's me and you, God. You're all I want. You know what I'm saying? And you're all I've ever needed. And God's like, stop singing that. No, 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 no. You're alone, and it's not good. Take me deeper than I've been before. Actually, I'm going to take you shallower because you are misunderstanding the point of your humanity. And it's not for you and me to be like best buddies. And then there's a deviation from the story. Genesis 2.18, Genesis 2.19. And whenever this happens, the scriptures are trying to teach us something. The next story is connected and trying to teach you right after Genesis 19. It says, now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky. And he brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever he would call each living creature, that's what its name was. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds of the sky, the wild animals. And he goes back and says, but for Adam, no suitable helper was found. Now, isn't it kind of odd that God says, it's not good for man to be alone. And then on the other end of this weird little story, and then God says, and there's no suitable helper to be found. You catching what I'm saying? Right in the middle, here's Adam with his first commission to be a zoologist. The first purpose of humanity was to be a zoologist. Tend the garden and name the animals, right? And he's naming all the animals. And he's, he's doing something. God's trying to show him something. It's not good to be alone. And there was no suitable helper. And in the middle, name the animals, Adam. Is he trying to get Adam's attention off of his loneliness and, like, distract him from the fact that he's alone? Is he trying to get him to realize that he is lonely and it's not good for him to be alone? Is he trying to get, like, one last thing in with Adam, with man, before women show up on the scene? Like, let's just, let's just get one job done before Eve gets here. What is God trying to do? Are you catching what I'm saying? By the way, this shows you the incredible capacity of humans. It doesn't seem very caveman-ish to me. No computers, no pictures, and he's naming every single species on the planet. And he remembers what he named them, which means he's using his memory in a very high capacity. And then he's so creative, he doesn't run out of names. So he's using this side of his brain and this side of his brain like a genius. He never runs out of creativity, and he never runs out of memory. And maybe God is talking to him through an object lesson, saying, Adam, if you're this smart... If you're this sharp, maybe I can teach you something through a picture I'm trying to show you. Two gazelles, two zebras, two giraffes, one you. Hmm. Two lions, two tigers, two bears, one human. 
two hippos, two crocodiles, two rabbits, 200 rabbits, 2,000 rabbits. I mean, it is what it is. But, but just one of you? No suitable helper found? And as God has Adam naming all the animals, God is pressing into this conversation and trying to show Adam it is not good for man to be alone. He's not off topic. He's not distracting him. He's trying to show him you need a suitable helper for you because man didn't get it. It's almost as if God is showing him with this picture, Adam, do you want to ask me for anything? He's like, no, I'm busy crushing it, God. My career is really moving up. I have great purpose. All I need to do is be successful. I'm naming the animals. I am crushing my career choice. And Adam, like most men, never gets it. What is the point of my life? To crush it and to provide. We'll just say provision. Okay, wait a minute, caveman, Mr. Provider and Protector. What is the purpose of life? Well, for a man, it's provision and protection. Uh, what is the purpose of life? Created to connect to something that's missing. Aren't you glad when you're totally oblivious, God can just put you to sleep so when you finally wake up, you wake up to something so much better that you never knew was missing from your life? Is anybody ready for a relational awakening in 2022? I'm talking about a human awakening to see the value and the beauty and the people that are already around you and in your life. Adam has no needs, according to him. And he didn't realize that things mattered to him that he never even knew mattered to him. It's like, I care about stuff, and I need stuff that God can't give me. And he was disconnected, but he never had that revelation. He always thought he was so connected. I feel for Adam. I relate to Adam. I feel like, man, there are things missing in my life that I'm just now waking up to. And I thought I was great. I thought I was connected. I am not connected. I am very disconnected. And I thought I was crushing it, naming the animals. But unfortunately, <laughs> there's more to life than my career and choice of naming animals. Are you catching what I'm saying? Verse 21, so the Lord, the Lord God caused, the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, let's just think of the, while you were sleeping. What is that? Julia Roberts? No, not Julia Roberts. Sandra Bullock, while you were sleeping. One of my mom's favorite chick flicks. While you were sleeping, God met his need that Adam did not understand. While he was unconscious, God met needs for Adam that he didn't even know he had. I need God to do that for me. No. See the connection that we need as humans to make because we begin to realize that we need more than just God. This is a connection we need. Because God created us to need each other. It was God who said to humanity, you have needs, you're not getting met. It is not good for humanity to be alone. Now, I know, I know, I know. I hear this all the time. I hear you because I am one of you. I don't need people, Pastor. Yeah, I know. I understand what it's like to say that. I don't need church. I understand. what. I love God. I just hate people. I get it. I've said it before. I don't need a synagogue. I don't need a temple. I don't need... Community, I don't need organized religion. In fact, so many people say, I'm against organized religion. I go, that's okay. Come to Hope Church because we can be very disorganized from time to time. And we don't like religion either. So welcome to unorganized relationship with God, okay? We encourage it. We're perfect for you. Hope Church is the perfect place for you. And when people say, you know, I'm not into organized religion, Pastor. What you're actually saying is, I'm not into people. I get it. Because I used to say, God, I love you. I hate your church. God, I love you. I hate your people. 
Church people are the worst. That's what I used to say. I'm not into people either. No, no, no. You don't understand. Me and God, we got our own thing, right? That's the way it always felt for me too. Uh, you don't understand. Me and God, we have a great relationship. Just me and God, we have our own understanding. And most of what uh, my understanding with God is, is in the Bible. Some things are not, but other things are. You know what I'm saying? Me and God, we got our great relationship. Me and the universe, we're connecting. I don't need people, and I get that. It's so much easier to walk through a forest and sense the sacred than it is to be surrounded by a bunch of people. It's so much easier to go on vacation and watch the sunrise on the ocean, have waves crash against the beach, and have this sense of transcendency about you than it is to have people with needs all around you in your life pulling from you. It's so easy for us to escape to paradise, to connect to the profound when we're connecting to our nature uh, less than a slice of paradise. We're connecting to the real problems of life with people. What do you want, a slice of paradise or problems with people? Why is it so hard <laughs> when it's all about connecting to each other? Why is it so the way that we can easily connect to a lake and a fishing pole than we do a crowd full of people? There's something inside of us that's been broken. And God is trying to restore that brokenness today and say, it's not good to be alone, isolated. Join a team. Be a part of community. Not because we need your help around the church. Not because we want. No, no, no. Because we are more than just better together. We are created for each other. We are created for community. And we will never be satisfied in God or anywhere else in life if we do not embrace the fact that he created us a certain way. For other people to connect to me. God is saying, I want you to hear it. I am not all that you need. I will never be all that you need. So if you connect to God and you are still committed to being disconnected from people, I want to encourage you and, and just tell you, you have not connected to God yet. Because there is no spiritual journey that God will ever take you on that will isolate you from community. That will isolate you from humanity. That's why I would say other spiritual religions that isolate are being led by a spirit for sure, but it's not the spirit of God. And you can humana humana and wear your orange robe and walk up to temple every day and be totally isolated. But the truth is, it's different with Jesus. When Jesus calls you to himself, he also calls you to other people. Peter, come follow me. Oh, and there'll be 11 other people there. Hey, John, follow me. I'll make you more than that. But you're going to do it with 11 other people. See, Jesus never calls you just to himself. It's never just going to be you and Pete, Jesus. I know you long for that day. Like, if everybody else leaves you in this room, I will never leave you. I am with you to the end. It's me and you, Jesus, to the end. And that didn't work out so well for Peter. But I'm just saying, it will never be like that, Peter. It's never going to be just you and Jesus. And Jesus and you. And I got your back and he's got my back. And me and Jesus, we're good. I don't need any of these other jokers, these less than disciples than me. See, when Jesus calls you to himself, he also calls you to each other. And so he puts the man to sleep, and while he's sleeping, he took out of the man's side, out of the man's body, and he closed up the place with flesh. Verse 22, then the Lord God made the woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. I like that. He brought her right out to the man. Now, I'm reading this thinking to myself, why does God have to do this like this? I mean, why does he have to put the man to sleep and then pull a rib out? And then create the woman out of the rib. I mean, I suppose that he's using the DNA of a creature that he already made in the image of God to create the next human. But he didn't do that with Adam. Here's the crazy thing. 
Eve was created out of the DNA of a species made in the image of God. And Adam was made out of dirt. So women are created out of DNA from the highest species on the planet. And men are created out of dirt. Like the birds and the animals and stuff. You got DNA and dirt. Men and women. So if you're a man, you're in the direct lineage of dirt. And the beginning matters, guys. You know what I'm saying? Eve comes out of the complexity of creation that God called very good. So in my mind, if it's already very good and it's very complex and he pulls out of the complexity of creation called very good, I would say she is very, very good. Eve came out of the creation that was the pinnacle of God's creativity. That's why I believe women are the crown jewel of the crown of creation. Adam came out of dirt. God breathed into dirt and made man. But why did God do it like this with her? Do you realize that the first woman created came out of a man? And then every man and woman and child who's ever been created since came out of a woman. And this is a crazy connection. Why? I'm thinking everybody, everybody has a belly button. I know it's profound, but everybody was connected at one point in time in their existence. Proof that you were created to connect is in your, I want to show you my belly button, but I won't do it. In your belly. And anybody who doesn't have a belly button here is not human. And everybody else who has a belly button is humanity. You'd be an alien to us. We were created for connection. But why? I said, why did he do it like this? I've seen pregnancy up close. It's a bad idea. <laughs> you have an oversized thing coming out of a very much smaller space. It's not really good for anybody involved. I feel like it's painful. The baby doesn't like it. The mom doesn't like it. And the dad is just helplessly standing there. I don't know what to do with my hands. You know what I'm saying? Why would God put a human being inside another human being? And why does God insist on pulling a human out of a human? I mean, penguins get to lay eggs, and the dads can hold it. They do it with their feet and their belly flap, and it's a really cool thing. We get the eggs. Why, why don't we just use bubbles or eggs? I like the eggs idea. It works for other things. It's amazing that you just start this beautiful little bubble. You and your wife just like, man, just follow this bubble. It comes with you everywhere you go for 10 months. You just look after your bubble. You can paint your bubble, send messages to your bubble, carry your bubble, show people the bubble's growth and development. It's like, yeah, it would be painless. It would be sort of epic. It would be artistic. You could just watch bubbles grow. Watch them grow their bubbles. And then when the baby's ready, you just pop it and splash open, catch it. It'd be beautiful. But, but no. God designed birth to happen so that we would be fully connected to each other. And you may be completely estranged from your mom or your family or, or your parents. You may be living in complete isolation, but you did not start like that. You never started disconnected from humanity. You began inside the womb of a human being. I don't want to talk about it. You began inside the womb of a human being. I don't relate to it. You were the one that was one person with another human being. You were inseparable. Their life was your life. And when we sever that, when we cut that cord, it's the first time in our human experience that we ever experience existence separated from another human being. You started for about 10 months connected 
And everything was hers and yours and hers and yours and hers and yours. And then 20 or 30 years later, we become convinced that that's the way it's supposed to be, separated. Sometimes at the age of 15, 16, 17, we push ourselves away and we go into our rooms and we go away with our friends and we start to say, this connection is not what I want. I want to push away from human connection to find my own whatevers. And we isolate ourselves. How many teenagers isolate? My dad used to call headphones isolation units because every young person with headphones on is in their own world even though they're surrounded by other people. They're so separate from them. They can't hear them. They're not thinking of them. They don't want to look at them. They just want to isolate. They want to isolate on their phones. Why is it that we have this, oh, it's almost as if we never knew how to really be connected and we don't trust human connection. Even our moms and our dads. So connecting the dots is essential because God created you for that connection. It's so obvious in every realm of our humanity. Just look at our flesh. We were created to connect to each other. Look at how we create babies. We're created, we're connected and created to connect to one another. He created you for relationship to himself, but relationship to each other is so essential. You need more than God because you're created by God to need each other. Even if the conditions were perfect on the planet today, it would still not be good for you to be alone. Imagine how much more now in 2022 with the conditions, we'll just say, less than perfect. Is it to not be alone? We are not only created for each other, but we are made for each other. And here's the crazy part. Out of each other. For each other, out of each other. In me and in you. It's crazy the way we were created internally with connection all around us. We come out of that human material, and we have to find ourselves going back to being human again. This is why I get concerned with people who start attach attaching their spirituality in God with isolation. And the moment we act as if we finally become so spiritual, we don't need people anymore. We become so connected to God that people aren't the point anymore. Our principles become the point of life. People aren't the point. It's revelation of the word of God that's the point. See, people aren't the point. Deep, deep study of the word is the point of our existence. To connect to God, to connect to God, to connect to God. But if you're drawing close to God who created humanity, you will start drawing close to the humanity that God loves. And something inside of you will actually elevate. See, if this person that says, I don't need anyone, I can do this alone, I don't need God, I don't need people, community, I don't need the local church. People say, I don't need this, I don't need that, I don't need the local church, you know what I'm saying? They are not smart, they are very, very dumb. That person isn't courageous or strong, that person is naive and foolish. Because if you think you can do this life alone, you do not understand who you are, and you do not understand what you need. I can do life alone, you have no idea who you are. I can do life alone. You don't know what you need. And I'm not talking from my opinion. I'm talking from God's words to us. It is not good that man be alone. I think it's better just step back and say, look, think of me what you may, but I need people. I need community. And the more I connect to God, the more aware I am of my need for people in my life. More of God doesn't make you less connected. It makes you more connected to people. 
So if your spiritual journey is leading you away from humanity, God is not leading you on that path. You are walking there by yourself. And you keep saying, no, it's just me and God, me and Jesus, me and Jesus. I think you might need to step back, reflect, and ask yourself, is it you and God or is it just you? Because he left a long time ago. You can read his word. You can sing the songs. You can even talk to the wall. But he is not in any relationship that does not connect humanity to humanity. It says for Adam, there was no suitable helper. And so he connected and created the woman. And they came out of one another. And she was flesh of his flesh and bone of his bone. Then in verse 25 it says, and they were both naked and they felt no shame. Happy Valentine's Day. And I know that's a statement we hear a lot around Valentine's Day and uh, EXO conferences and marital things. And we just kind of leave it on the surface, though. And I don't want to leave it there. I want to say they were naked and unashamed. It means they had nothing hidden between them. Their connection was so complete that they knew everything about each other. Wow. Talk about a connection. To you, that might be terrifying. I mean, think about it just for a moment. Wouldn't it be terrifying if everybody knew or somebody knew everything about you? I mean, everything. If someone knew how you felt all the time, if they knew your thoughts all the time, if they knew your motives all the time, if they knew your inner talk to yourself, how long would that relationship last? A huge part of making relationships work in our world is to be hidden. Matter of fact, if you're dating somebody, they say don't show them everything. The less you show them, the more intriguing you are and the more attractive you are. You kind of learn at a very early age to hide some stuff to catch some things. And here in this relationship, there was nothing hidden. And that's why so many of us, we long for intimacy, and yet we fear intimacy the most in our lives. And we wonder why we can't connect. It's because we're closed, because we're filled with shame, and we feel naked. We're very exposed and full of shame. We keep hiding ourselves and hiding and hiding and hiding and pretending that we're someone that we're not. And I'm just talking with the world. I'm talking with your spouse and creating a persona so that other people will accept you and love you because we live with the shame that no one will accept us if if we really were who we really are. Imagine being a human fully accepted, not just by God, but fully accepted by another human being. Someone who saw you completely that understood you completely, that knew you completely, and they loved you completely. I want to live in a world of connection like that. I know everything, I see everything, and I still love you with all your issues. But I want to understand the ability to build relationships. It's far and few between. To have intimacy, oh my gosh. To have friendships, it's a skill that we have lost in our culture. I am bad at it. You are bad at it. And so we, even though we're jack, like jam-packed in rooms full of people and on social platforms with endless numbers of people, we are so desperately alone and drowning in our own disconnection. Telling ourselves we don't need things that we actually need. Telling ourselves we don't want stuff that we actually want. Which leads me to Jesus. Now, Jesus prays a very specific prayer. It's not the Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, your kingdom come, your will be done here on earth as it is. That's actually a disciple's prayer. That's the everyday prayer for you and me. That's what we pray every day. His prayer is a less well known prayer, and it's actually found in the book of John. If you've ever wondered, what does Jesus pray for? If he had a prayer on the earth, what would it be? What would it sound like? If Jesus was praying, don't you think that'd be kind of deep? Like, this is my prayer to my Father. Be like kind of spiritually next level. If Jesus was praying this prayer, anybody coming with me there? Like our prayer is our Father is in heaven. His prayer is different. He says this in chapter 17, verse 20 of John. My prayer, that's how you know it's Jesus' prayer. 
It says, my prayer is not for them alone. What? This is not just about me and Jesus? This is not just about me and God? It's not just for me and you to connect and, you know, you came to earth to connect humanity and it's you and me. And if I'm connected to you, I'm going to heaven. And you, sh- you sure? It's not just for me alone. No, I pray also for those who will. I want you to catch that word will. Will implies they have not yet. It really instructs us who those people are. Who will believe in me through their message. Now, when I'm preaching, I feel like a lot of people are preaching with me. It's our message. You understand what I'm saying? We say there's Jesus is the way to life to the fullest. And when I preach this message of Jesus and hope in Jesus every single week, man, I'm telling you, it's not just me preaching. It's so many other people preaching. And we're all saying the same thing. It's our message. Right? Jesus is the hope for humanity. So we're the ones giving the message. So it's not just about me and God. You catching what I'm saying? No, I pray for those who will believe in me through their message. I'm a messenger. That all y'all, what? That all of them. See, it's not a us and them, it's a, it's a collective us. It's a unified, all y'all, them. Sometimes it's like, there's the believer and the non-believer, and we're like, hmm, there's humanity. We're more alike than we are separate. We all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The only difference is we know what to do with our sin. That's why we have Jesus in our lives and how he sets us free from guilt and shame. He says there's no condemnation for those of you in Christ Jesus. That's the difference for us. We know what to do when we mess up. Not that we don't mess up. There's a one collective mess up, jacked up, needing God people, and that's you and it's me and it's them. It's us. There's a collective them. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message that all y'all might be one. Whoa, just Wait a minute. Unity is not about me and another church and another brother and another sister. It's about all of us. You mean humanity? And he goes on to say something crazy. Father, is Jesus talking just as you and I, you are in me and I am in you. The way you and I connect is the way I want them to connect to each other. Who's the them? Unbelievers and believers. The ones who currently believe and the ones who will believe in me through their message. Do you hear what this is saying? Jesus, the pinnacle prayer, my prayer, is that (laughs) unbelievers and believers connect to each other. Just like you and I are connected to each other. That believers and believers to be would be one father, just as you and I are one. Now, that's unified. That's connected, connected. Then Jesus prays, may they also be in us. So I'm not voiding the fact that God came to connect us to his Father. and Jesus came to connect us to God the Father. But this is it. So that the world will know <laughs> that you have sent me. I've given them the glory that you gave me. Wait a minute. Jesus is saying, I've given you the glory that you've given me. What's the glory God gave you, Jesus, that you're giving to me? Here it is, that they may be one. So we are one. I hear a lot of language in most churches about glory. Glory to God. Give all of the glory. Give all the praise. Give all the honor. Oh, glory is the weight of God. We talk about the kabod of God and glorifying God. Make sure you glorify God with your life. Make sure your life with God is glorifying his reputation. But we never talk about what that actually looks like. And Jesus says, this is my glory, that you actually come together. I want to glorify God. Come together. With who? Unbelievers. What? I want you to reconnect to humanity. 
I want you to become one again. I want you to glorify me with your connection. Verse 23, he says, I in them and you in me so that they all may be brought to complete unity. And Jesus is a poet and he didn't even know it. You and them and I and me so they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you've sent me and have loved them even as you've loved me. Do you hear what Jesus is actually saying? This is the pinnacle of spirituality. This is the ultimate depth of going deep in God. Unless you think that Jesus' prayer on earth would be a shallow, less significant prayer to his Father. You want to know what the deepest person prayed on the planet? The person who's most connected to God? That they would connect to each other like you and I are connected. I want to go deeper. Okay, connect to people. If we go back to Clueless Adam for a second, God says, is there something you want to ask me for, Clueless Adam, after seeing all these animals and this illustration I'm giving you? No, God, you're all I want. I just want to go deeper with you. It's not good to be alone, Adam. Look at the birds and the bees and the wildebeest. You, you alone satisfy me, though, God. It's just you and you alone. Take me deeper. And Adam, like most men, never gets it. So God says, you want to go deeper? The only way you and I are ever going to go deeper when you have a parallel, a thinking mindset like this, is if I put you into a deep sleep. You want to go deeper? I have to turn off your religious brain. I have to turn off your spiritual needs being met have to turn off everything you think that I can be for you. You want to go deep with God? He's like, I'll take you deeper. Deep sleep. Just so that I can awaken you to what true depth is all about. Loving another person. I'm really good at life until somebody else shows up on the scene. Want to go deep with me? Here's my prayer, that they might be one. Love somebody that doesn't believe what you believe. Love somebody who doesn't vote like you vote. Love somebody who doesn't think like you think. Unify. Find something right with a human connection. Empathy, compassion, loving what he loves. Be less about yourself and God and more about yourself and others. That's deep. So if you want to understand how to connect to the dots, you got to know who you are and how you've been designed. I'm not telling you this. God is telling you this in Genesis, by the way. Yes, you are designed for created for relationship with God. You've been created to connect to the creator of the universe. Yes, yes, yes. God is a God of relationship, and he created you for relationship. But that relationship is not limited to him. That relationship is rooted in him. And when you connect to God, you begin to connect to each other. When you connect to God, you begin to care about what he cares about. And the thing that God is most passionate about is people. Especially, I don't just pray for you and me. I pray for them also, especially lost people. His mission statement on earth is, I am coming to the planet to seek and to save that which is lost. I have come to seek and save that which is disconnected. I have come to seek and save that which is empty without me. He told his friends, healthy people don't need a doctor. I'm the great physician. What good am I to healthy people? Winning the hearts of scholars. Turning water into wine. I mean, at 12 years old, at 30 years old, people, 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 people are his passion. And the more spiritually minded you become, the more comfortable you are with the reality that you need people. We don't use people, but we need people in our lives. And we are made to fit together just like 
Adam and Eve. Eve came out of the rib of Adam. We are made for each other. We are designed to live in relationship with each other. Life doesn't work unless we work it together. And this is not about conformity. It's about community. And this is not about standardizing everyone. It's about creating and, and celebrating everyone in their uniqueness. Celebrating the differences. Differences make us dynamic when we unify. What Jesus is telling us is that spiritual maturity creates community that's unified. So this is my prayer, that they would be one. This is my prayer, the glory you've given me would be their glory. This is my prayer, that they would be one and the world would know, so that they're, through their connectedness, the world might see that they're connected to me. He's literally saying when they're connected to each other, everyone will see that they're connected to me. The only proof that we are connected to God and spiritual at all is that we have learned how to love each other and teamed up with each other. See, when Jesus calls you to himself, he says, you love me? You want to be with me? This is how your love for me plays out in reality. You love people. Community takes commitment, Peter. Being a people together takes commitment. It's so much easier to love God than it is to love people. Isn't it? So much easier to love God than to, to sing songs to him, to read his word, and, and to talk one-on-one -on -one with him. It's so much easier to love God than it is people. Because he always tells you exactly what you want to hear most of the time. Your interpretation of what his word says. Your good feels in that song you sing. Your needs being conveyed to him. It's like so easy to relate to God. But it's so much harder to relate to people. And all those people that walked through my path over the years who say to me, hey, where do we go deep at Hope Church? I want to go deeper, Pastor. I want to go deep. Isn't it odd? Whenever a person wants to go deep, it's always about information and never about relationship. It's always about head knowledge and never about helping people knowledge. Well, I want to go deep. It's usually about doctrine and beliefs and theology. I want to go deep. I want to get the revelation and the Greek and the Hebrew behind the word keros. And, and I want to go deep. And God has one deep. It's called human deep. See, spiritual maturity is actually measured in how well you do community. Spiritual maturity is only made evident in the health of your relationships. You want to know how spiritually mature you are? Check the relationships in your life. Check the people in your life. Check how your life affects other lives around you. Check to see how long your longest standing relationship is. You will know the strength and the power of your spirituality. It's in practice. Being spiritual is not about sitting on a mountain and meditating alone. It's not about memorizing words and writings and readings and speaking in elevated language so everyone feels like an idiot around you. Being spiritual is about getting your hands dirty, healing the wounds of humanity, talking to people, serving people, serving the scattered and the shattered lost sheep, seeking and reaching the lost no matter the cost, and making this world a better place for other people. You want to go spiritual? Make something better for someone else. Which, by the way, is what Jesus did on the planet. He didn't come to be served. He said, I came to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. It would have been so much easier for Jesus to get on a mountain and preach points and tell us all the things that we need to know about living. Jesus, just give us your wisdom. Give us your insight. And he would have written volumes and volumes of books and material. But instead, he chose to walk among us. He chose to heal the sick. He chose to stop for the bleeding. He chose to embrace the lepers. He chose to celebrate the poor. He chose to call out the self-righteous. 
He chose to get in the mix of our mess and to be a part of the human condition so that through his death and resurrection, he might be the beginning of human connection. One to another. He showed us what it's like to be fully human and connect to humanity in front of you. Jesus came to heal relationships between us and God, but he didn't just come to heal the relationship between us and God. He came to exemplify and to heal the relationships between me and them, each other. Jesus is the restorer of the relationships. His own disciples, we don't speak to Samaritan women. We don't speak to women, much less Samaritan women. No, Jesus is like, no, 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 no. You don't understand what I'm here for. You don't understand that woman is is not the right woman. She's a Phoenicianite. She doesn't belong here. Jesus is like, no, 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 no. I understand, and I'm here to show you what it's like to serve her and her daughter that's a mess. Jesus is always, don't pay attention to Bartimaeus. Somebody shut that blind guy up. He's like, no, 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 no. You don't understand. I'm here for the loud, faith-filled Bartimaeus in the back shouting my name. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He's like, I'm here for human connection. See, the people you isolate and the people you ignore and the people you don't want anything to do with that are a nuisance to you, Jesus says, that's the point of why I'm here on the planet. See them, hear them, know them, feel what they feel, help them, serve them. The sick people need doctors. Let's get our hands dirty with humanity. Oh, I'm spiritually mature. Jesus is like the most spiritually mature, deep, profound connected to God person on the planet and he's continually serving people he's never doing Bible studies he did them once when he was 12 and then he flipped tables over where Bible studies were crushing people well don't you believe in Bible studies? yes I believe in Bible studies come on just hold on a second but wait a minute what is the point what is the reason he did Bible study to profound the scholars of his day at 12 years old. He's saying, you think this is amazing? This is the most important thing. It's not. I'm a 12-year-old, and I'm crushing you guys. I must be about my father's business. He came to relationship, restore relationship between God and humanity. He came to also restore relationship between us and each other. Jesus is the restore relationship. He's the one who literally connects all the dots. And today I want to encourage you, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, connect to him. You will connect to so many more things that you don't care about or know you need in your life today. You have needs you don't know about. You have wants you don't let yourself want. You might be a believer here. You might be somebody who's always been with Jesus and you don't know Jesus at all. I want to encourage you today, whether you've walked away from relating to people, it's a good indication you probably walked away from relating to God. How dare you say that? I dare. I go back to Genesis 1 and look at what God said to humanity. You have needs you don't know about. Stop ignoring them. Stop crushing life and naming animals. Adam, there's more that you were created for, and it's not alone. It's not good for you to be alone. I'm trying to help somebody today. You think you know God, but he separated you from all the people stuff of life. I'm telling you, you don't know God. I want to connect you to Christ today. Jesus that we serve, he loves people. I want you to connect to people today. Join team, but it's more than that. It's about saying, I want to connect to what I'm here for. I was created for creation. I was created for the created, and I was created for the creator. 
creation, the created, and the creator. We were made for all three of those things. And it's all about connectedness. Alone, you're a great star. Connected, we become constellations that change everything. I want to tell you something. Connect with Jesus today. He's not going to ruin your life. He's not going to destroy your life. He's going to enhance your life and change your life for the better. Well, how dare you say that? I know who he is. He changes everything. He changes your passions. He changes your purpose. He changes your lens. He changes your perspective. He is the best thing that's ever happened to me. And I want you to relate to him today in spirit and truth.